Alrighty, so here we go. This has been one of the richest wells we've dug in in a while, for me. I don't know about you, I don't know how much you've got out of all this, but it sure has helped me. Mercy. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3, we'll start there tonight. Now last week we talked about in the Spirit. We've been talking about spiritual warfare for months and months here. Covered a lot of territory. Last week we talked about in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, being in the Spirit. Little s and big S in the spirits. Uh, we can't walk away from that without talking about in the flesh. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. In the flesh. For, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3. The Bible says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 15, it says, And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Then one more verse I want to read here before we get started. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 24, Bible says, And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. So in the flesh... What are we? What does it mean? Do you think you know? Well, let me just go here. I got a lot of ground to cover, a lot of things to say, and so I want to keep it a moving here. Just as there is a lot of confusion when it comes to living and walking after the Spirit, like we talked about last week, there's just as much confusion about walking after the flesh and being in the flesh. I tell you, the scripture makes it a clear distinction between the two, being in the flesh and walking after the flesh. But most teaching that you hear does not make that clear. Does not. It's just the flesh, and it's all bad, and it's, it's you know, and it's it confuses everybody. Everybody doesn't understand what in the world they're talking about. Twenty-eight times the Bible mentions in the flesh. Now, do you remember how many times I told you it mentioned in the spirit? Anybody remember? Well, almost exactly the same amount of times. And again, in the Old Testament, only two times in the flesh. In the New Testament, 25 times in the flesh. So it's the New Testament that talks about in the Spirit and in the flesh. Because the New Covenant is what made the difference in all of that. After the flesh is mentioned 14 times and it's only mentioned in the New Testament. After the flesh. To be after the flesh. To walk after the flesh. To lust after the flesh, you know. To be in the flesh generally means to be in this earthly, physical body. I mean, that's it. I don't know. I, don't, I mean, you can argue all you want to, but we're all in the flesh tonight. In that manner of speaking. We... We're in a body of flesh. We are in the flesh. We're not in heaven. We're not absent from the body. We're still here in the body. If we were absent from the body, we wouldn't be in the flesh. We'd be with the Lord. <clears throat> but as long as we're alive in this world, we'll be in a body of flesh. You're not going to experience this world. You're not going to live in this world without that body of flesh. Not the way things stand at the present. Your body is the means by which we experience this world and life. So in that sense, we're in the flesh. But that does not mean that as long as we're in the body of flesh that we will live and walk after the flesh. We're not getting too complicated. I mean, you know I don't. But I mean, it's just uh, simple. We're in the flesh, but we don't walk after the flesh if we're a Christian, if we're saved. If we walk after the Spirit. And if, we're, if God lives in us, if the Spirit of Christ is in us, we're not in the flesh. Now, I'll get ahead of myself here a little bit. But, but some scriptures use the phrase to mean the same 
and to walk after the flesh. But, but it's made clear in the context. And that's what I was just fixing to say. Romans chapter 8, verses 8 and 9. Listen closely. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Well, you say, well, that contradicts what you just said. No, don't. Wait just a minute. But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So, if you're, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But he's not really talking about the body, just living in the body. He's talking about walking after the flesh. But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, so be that the Christ, Spirit of God dwell in you. To walk after the flesh means that the prevailing influence over your thoughts, your affections, your decisions and choices, your actions, is the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. To walk after the flesh, that is what you're, that's the greatest influence on your thinking, on your decisions, on your actions, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Uh, to walk after the flesh is to live in pursuit primarily of only those things. More, put, it, put it more simply, here's what controls you if you're walking after the flesh. This is the greatest influence on your mind, your heart, your life, everything. Carnal lust, covetousness, and pride. Pride's a big factor. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. But to walk after the flesh is to live in pursuit primarily of only those things that please or agree with your selfish interests and your pride. Alright. Do you know what it is to walk after the flesh? Do you know what the difference is between walking after the flesh and being in the flesh? To walk after the flesh is to view everyone else as a threat or a potential threat to your indulgence or your pride. That's what sin has done to the world. That's what sin has done to humanity. Everybody's an enemy. It's turned everybody against one another. God didn't create man to be that way. He, he created man to live in harmony. That's what the moral law of God is about. I mean, it's the law. It's the... It's the law that defines how we are to treat one another, trespass, or sin against. That's what the whole thing is about, the moral law. That we live together without violating one another, without doing one another wrong. But see, walking after the flesh, that doesn't, that's what it's all about, is getting somebody else before they get you. It's old number one first. I got to take care of me because you know how they twist the golden rule do unto others before they do unto you. That's what they say. And that's just exactly how they feel about it too. And I say they, but I'll tell you we need to keep the finger pointed right at our own self here tonight because we're going to dig pretty deep right here. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 10. <clears throat> but chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government, presumptuous are they, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Well, now that's took out of context and it's hard to, do, it's hard to uh, put it in context because he said so much. But I mean, that's just the little part that describes what we're talking about here tonight. People who walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. They don't want nobody telling them what to do. Nobody correcting me. I don't want, ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to say, how to, what to wear, what to, where to go, what to think. They despise government. Those who walk after the flesh. You walk after the flesh, you ain't going to want nobody telling you what to do. You're not going to want anybody correcting you, criticizing you, or anything. Can't take it. If you're walking after the flesh, you just can't take it. Can't take being wronged or anything else. Now, the reality of this matter is that we're either in Christ or we're in the flesh. 
You say, but you said in the flesh is being in the body. Well, yeah, but you're going to have to listen closely. Just like with the Spirit, I said there's some, there's a, some things that are easily misunderstood and this is one of them too. That's why there's so much confusion about it and that's why there's so few people will even attempt to deal with it. They just use it for a crutch or an explanation for why people live in sin. That's all they use this flesh business for. Instead of trying to understand it by reading the Scripture and figuring out what it's saying to us here, we're either in Christ or we're in the flesh. Romans 8.1, listen closely. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now you remember I told you last week, I don't know if you went and checked it out or not, but if you, if you have any other version of the Bible, the rest of that, the last part of that verse is not there. It's only, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Well, now you can't be in Christ Jesus if you're in the flesh. You're either in Him or you're in the flesh. Meaning, you're walking after the flesh. Now, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh. Did you get that? I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I'm living a life now in the flesh. Paul said that. The life that I now live in the flesh... I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. So, we are in the flesh in the sense that we're in this body. We're still living in a body of flesh. Look at this. Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7 and verse 5. says, For when we were in the flesh. Uh, what does that mean? Anybody want to tell me what that means? When we were walking after the flesh. The motions of sins which were by the law did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. So that's the way it works when we were in the flesh walking after the flesh. The motions of sin worked death, brought fruit forth fruit unto death. Now if we're still living in our body in this world, we are, uh, we're, we're walking in the flesh, not after the flesh. You got to pay attention. That one little word changes everything. Walking in the flesh. I ain't got no other way to walk. I can't walk. I can't talk. I can't see or hear or anything without this flesh where we're at right now. But to walk after the flesh is a different thing. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3, the verse we started with, for though we walk in the flesh. Now he's not talking about just living in sin and, and wickedness and lust and all that. That is not what the Apostle Paul's talking about. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Philippians chapter 1, verse 21 through 24 says, For me to for to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I wot not. Y'all understand what he's talking about? Well, listen to the rest of it and you will. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. <laughs> What's he talking about? Body. He said, I'd, I'd like to just go on to heaven and leave this cage but it'd be better, it's better for you that I stay. Now I want to leave but, and be with Christ. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 1, For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, mm, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. And see, you know, the major error in doctrine now in Baptists and everybody else, they've all swallowed the same hook, line, and sinker, is that flesh is evil. 
That's Gnostic teaching from centuries, millennia ago. They believed that all matter was evil. Especially all flesh was evil. That was brought into the church through Augustine, right down the line, and now everybody believes it. There's nothing sinful about this right here. Sin comes from the inner man. It's, the, it's a matter of the heart. It's a spiritual matter. It's a moral issue. It's not an issue of flesh and blood. And so, that's not, the whole, that's not what we're talking about here. People just take and they say, flesh, that means sin. It's a synonym for sin. No, it's not. Jesus, if you deny in any way that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh, that is a spirit of Antichrist. Read Hebrews chapter 2, verse 15, 14, 15, along in there. It behooved him to be made like unto his brethren in all things. He was a partaker of flesh and blood. Not sin. Not sin. No. All that we experience... Well, there's one more verse I wanted to read then. There, at 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 1, I read, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he that hath suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Verse 2, That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. So you see, I mean, you see that if you're that we're in the flesh, but we don't walk after the flesh after we're born again. Amen. We walk after the Spirit. Right. So what about all these people that say they're Christians and they walk after the flesh? Not Somebody's not telling the truth. Somebody's deceived. There's a day of reckoning coming. There's a judgment coming when the righteous judge will judge all men. Somebody better be telling the truth. Somebody better be telling people the truth instead of all these lies. If you walk after the flesh, you shall die. That's what the Bible says. Die! You can't live and walk after the flesh. You'll die! And it don't mean die and be put in the grave. You're going to die forever. That's eternal death. That's condemnation. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 there. There's no condemnation to them that walk after the Spirit, not after the flesh. But what about the ones that don't? What about the ones that walk after the flesh? Well, it's, it, the answer is given there. To be carnally minded is death. If you walk after the flesh, you'll die. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. I found my place there again. All that we experience in this world, we experience through this flesh that we're in. Without this body, we couldn't experience this physical world. Because we are in... You see, we're in a different realm than God is. God is a spirit. And God's in a different realm. He created this physical universe and this physical world and He created man with a physical body in it. And it's a separate realm. We live here in this physical world. We can't see God. We can't see spirits. We can't even see all that's here. Man's been working all these years and he makes all kinds of instruments so he can see things that he can't see with his natural eyes. Infrared and ultraviolet and everything else, you know. I mean, you go on and on. We're wearing glasses so we can see better. Without them, I couldn't see a thing. Can't see nothing with them. But it'd be worse without them. Without this body. But because we're in this body, in this world, the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God until he's born again of the Spirit of God. There's a great change that takes place when a person is born of the Spirit. is what we've been talking about all through this. There is a major, total change. A new creation. The old man is dead. And the new man is created. That's what happens. A new man who can communicate with God through the Spirit. 
You become aware of spiritual things and you think and live and walk in that realm and not after the lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. That's not what you live for anymore. That's not what you live after anymore. Now that's the way it is. Now that is just the way it is. I don't care how many of them with all their degrees and theology and everything that want to argue with that. That's the way it is. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. It don't mean that he is sinless, but it means that he is trying to be. And it doesn't mean that he's perfect, but he's headed, he's striving toward that mark. It doesn't mean that he's all got everything figured out, but he's on the journey toward God and he's he can see now where he was blind before. And he does not continue to walk after the flesh. When we're truly born again, we begin a new life and a new way of living in and experiencing this world. 2 Corinthians 5.17, I just quoted it, if any man be in Christ. Although he is still in the flesh, as far as being in his body, he is not living in the flesh anymore, but in the Spirit. Now, can you all get that? I'm in my body, but I'm I'm not living after the flesh anymore. Romans 8, verse 9, But you're not in the flesh but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Where does that leave you? In the flesh. After the flesh. Romans 6, verse 6. The old man is dead. Just like they sang about. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Now being crucified means being dead, don't it? That's how that ends. You don't get crucified and go on living. You don't. Our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin. How does it get any plainer than that? I don't know how you get it any plainer. How does, the big question to me is how can it get so confused with everybody? Why do most Christians identify as sinners now and brag about it and feel like that's just more noble than anything to just profess to be a sinner? What do you think that... Have you ever considered what that makes Jesus feel like? To hear you say that and to know that you identify like that. What did He come to do? He came to save us from our sins. He came to take away our sin. All that He's done. He came to atone for our sin. And and then yet we still hold claim to it. That's got to be. That's got to be hurtful to Him. Mm -hmm. He's a jealous God, you know. And we're still identified with our old lover. Mm. Claiming. Claiming it. Right in His face. And thinking we're being good at doing that. You need to think about that. You need to look at it that way. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21 through 24. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him. Well, have you? Have you heard him and have, has he taught you anything? As the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off. Concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So, are you a new man? Or are you still the old man? Are you trying to say you're both? Well, how can you be both if he's dead? If you put him off and put on the new man, then why? How could you think that you're a dichotomy, a dual personality? 
Again, that ain't going to hold no water when you stand before God either. I'll tell you right now. Colossians chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. What is salvation? A ticket to heaven? A free pass out of hell? Is that all it is? Is there anything more to it? You better believe there's more to it. A new man, a new creation, a new life, a new way of living, a new world to live in. So all this being true, we've got to understand thoroughly what it means to be crucified with Christ or to die to oneself. We hear that a lot. We, there's some little sayings that have been invented by men that you don't find in the Bible, but there's a principle there. Crucified with Christ means dying. We have to. Jesus said if we lose our life, we find it. If we save our life, we lose it. That's pretty plain. He also said if a man's not willing to forsake all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Plain out. Luke, the end of Luke 14. Then drew near all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. Because the Pharisees never preached nothing like that. Everybody was going to heaven except people like Jesus. They said he had a devil. They were real clever, real. Somehow the concept we have of this matter is that we die to ourselves at the moment of salvation and it's a one-time thing that's done and finished. That's the concept a lot of people have. Because we talk about it a lot. I remember the moment. Well, I do. I remember that moment. I sure do. Hallelujah. But that's not. that wasn't the end of it. <laughs> it was just the beginning. Oh, And it's still going on. Then most people go on living and walking after the flesh, thinking they've done what they needed to do because they've had an experience where they humble themselves and submitted to God for a moment. Anybody ever see that? We've all seen it all of our lives. If we've been in church any length of time, we've watched as people supposedly got saved and they was happy, hallelujah, and shouting the glory, and then they just cool off. And a lot of them just fade out and despair. You think that's a normal Christian life? You think that's what that's about? You think that's what it is? No, the Bible says that the, the path of the just shineth brighter and brighter until that day. That's the way it is. Too. It gets better and better. You don't get boringer and boringer and just until you just give up. Oh, ain't nothing to this. Unless you're listening to the opposite of what I'm preaching to you tonight. And that's all you listen to and most all everywhere now. You know, this is what people, this is what the gospel, this is how it used to be preached. And I'm telling you the truth. And nobody's doing it anymore. Very few are. Uh, I'm saying nobody. Very few are. Most are given excuse and teaching people to walk in, walk after the flesh. Making light of anything spiritual, really. And salvation's come down to just signing a card, saying a prayer, getting baptized, joining a church, just coming to church, just acting like you're a part of it and you're good. My. But being crucified with Christ is a present tense, continual and ongoing thing. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. There's more to walking after the flesh than just inordinate lusts and drinking and gluttony and immorality. That's, that's what most people think. After the flesh, that's just, you know, they think of that alone. There's a whole bunch more. Romans 15. Let me just say this too before I read this verse. Anytime we choose to please ourselves without considering God or others, we're walking after the flesh. All right, now here's where I'm just going to drill in, you know, and you, you're going to you're gonna have to buckle up. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, 
the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. Romans 15, 3. Even Christ pleased not himself. We teach the kids to say please. Do you know what that means? Please, as a verb, means to excite agreeable sensations or emotions to gratify. Even Christ pleased not himself. What he, The Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. So that's it. That's our captain. That's our elder brother. He's the one we follow. He's the one whose disciples we're to be. A disciple is a follower and a learner. We're supposed to follow him and learn from him. He was our example. So much more, but he was our example. And if that's the way his life was, don't you think he was very careful to live his life on this earth for those few years? With everybody watching and everything being written down forever? Don't you think he was careful about what he did, what he said, how he did it, where he went? What, is, what his life was about while he was here, what it was spent for? He didn't please himself. Even Christ pleased not himself. He didn't gratify himself. He didn't excite agreeable sensations or emotions. Galatians chapter 5 verse 24, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Don't sound to me like those that are crucified with Christ are all about themselves either. Their feelings, their desires, their opinions. You know? Does it sound that way to you? That's why it sounds to me. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. For even Christ pleased not himself. We're following him. He didn't. Anytime we covet anything, we're walking after the flesh. Think about it. You know, covetousness, the Bible says, is idolatry. I mean, it's bad. Bad. To desire things, especially that other people have, and you don't. What makes you want something anyway? Because you see somebody else got it. Do you ever think about that? You don't want none unless you see somebody else got it. And you say, hey, well, I'd like to have one of them. Right? As long as you don't see nothing, you don't want nothing. I used to tell the kids, they get a little bit of money, and boy, they just want to go to town. I said, all you're going to do when you go to town, they're going to get your money, and they're going to give you their junk. And then you ain't going to have any money. And that's the way it works. If you, I learned a long time ago, if you want to keep what you got, stay away from town. Don't go to the store. Because when you go to the store, you're going to see stuff. Same thing about these, these uh, yard sales and everything else. Out on the street and on Facebook and everywhere else. I mean, and Amazon, stay off of there. Everything on there is trying to get you to covet something. Seriously. Man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Don't do you any good to get anything. Most of the time you wish you hadn't got it in the first place. Or you just take it home, throw it in the, open the door and throw it in there the rest of the junk you bought and not done anything with. That's right. I'll just confess a little bit. I mean, we lived for years and we could put everything in a 12-foot U-Haul trailer and move 1,100 miles away. And now, we've lived there for 20 years and a little more, and we've got the house is full and the basement's full and the barn is full and there's two buses full and then up at the mill and then the mill sheds. How big is that, Dad? 36? How big is that? Yeah, it's full. You just got to walk a path through it. There's boxes everywhere, and I'll pull out one once in a while, and I'll say, well, look at that. I <laughs> forgot about that. Yeah. I went somewhere and bought that. You left one shit out, mine's full, too. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, his, that's true. 
<laughs> We're laughing, but I'm telling you, it's walking after the flesh when you're coveting. The lust of the eye, that's what it is. It's wanting. Seeing and wanting. And we always see it in other people. What they have, that's what makes us want it. Anything we do that is motivated by our pride, we're walking after the flesh. There's, uh, there, man, I'm telling you, we could just stop right there and just start digging. And I guarantee you, we'd all have to crawl under the seats here tonight. Pride. It's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And that's the biggest one of them right there. Anything that we feel or think that is generated by our pride or because someone has hurt our pride is walking after the flesh. Are y'all getting getting what I'm saying here? I want to read something to you. I didn't write this. I read it to a couple of you maybe here or her. I think. But... When you are forgotten or neglected or purposely set at naught and you sting and hurt with the insult or the oversight, but your heart is happy, being counted worthy to suffer for Christ, that is dying to sell. When your good is evil spoken of, when your wishes are crossed, your advice disregarded, your opinions ridiculed, and you refuse to let anger rise in your heart or even defend yourself, but take all in patient, loving silence. That is dying to sell. How many of you are still on board here? When you lovingly and patiently bear any disorder, any irregularity, or any annoyance, when you can stand face to face with waste, folly, extravagance, spiritual insensibility and endure it as Jesus endured it. That is dying to sell. When you are content with any food, any offering, any raiment, any climate, any society, any attitude, any interruption by the will of God, that is dying to sell. When you never care to refer to yourself in conversation or to record your own good works or itch after commendation, when you can truly love to be unknown, that is dying to sell. When you see your brother prosper and have his needs met and can honestly rejoice with him in spirit and feel no envy nor question God, while your own needs are far greater and in desperate circumstances, that is dying to self. When you can receive correction and reproof from one of less stature than yourself, can humbly submit inwardly as well as outwardly, finding no rebellion or resentment rising up within your heart, that is dying to self. So how are we doing in this matter of Walking in the Spirit and not walking after the flesh. I hope you understand, we didn't even hardly graze it there, but I mean, walking after the flesh is much more than just going bananas and living in sin. That's true. Walking after the flesh is something that everybody's doing. And it ain't supposed to be that way. We've excused ourselves with all of what I just read there. Because we think we've just relegated it off to just gross sin. And while it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. So all of these things that we just read there, they're the ones that destroy homes, families, churches, friendships, everything. That's the things that do it right there. And most of it is about pride. And self, self. Do you understand a little bit better why God's people should love one another and be of one mind and one accord? Shouldn't be any problem. Do you understand more about why there should be no strife, no envy, no conflict between people who are walking in the Spirit? 
Do you really understand that all strife and conflict and fighting and envy and malice and backbiting and maliciousness as well as fornication and murder and wickedness and covetousness are all evidence of walking after the flesh? Do you understand that? Do you, you know, when we find ourselves offended, hurt, slighted, done wrong, whether it's true or not, we need to examine ourselves to see if we are walking after the flesh. Now, you're listening to me? Yeah, that's, that's what is important to each of us. We can't do anything about what other people do. How many of you figured that out? Can't do nothing about what other people do, say, think. <laughs> well, just, you just better turn your guns on yourself. You just better focus on yourself. The, only, the best help you're going to be to anybody else is take care of self. Don't walk after the flesh. Walk after the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. And you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Simple. The Bible says that. When we find ourselves in that shape, it's, it's important that each of us can, you know, to do this to, for ourselves. We can't do much about what other people do. If they want to walk out to the flesh and don't care or will not recognize their error, the only thing we can do is make sure we don't start following their example. We can't walk after the Spirit if we're walking after the flesh. Don't fool yourself. Don't deceive yourself about your soul. That is the struggle of the Christian life. We're not struggling really against sin. I mean, are we tempted really to go out? You think, how many of you tempted to just go out and do some drugs tonight? No. No. No, the struggle in the Christian life is about walking after the Spirit and not after the flesh. Not after the flesh. You can't do both. You just can't do both. If you walk after the flesh, if that's the theme of your life, you can't be in the Spirit. You can't walk in the Spirit. And, and he said, the Spirit of Christ is not in you. Not a God. That's the struggle of the Christian life. And this is what this spiritual warfare is mostly about. You really need to remember that. How much do you matter to yourself? Hmm? How much do you matter to yourself? You know, we used to, years and years ago, I remember over here at this church, I remember having a banner up over the baptistry there that said, Joy. You know what it stood for? Jesus first, others second, you last. If Jesus didn't please himself, that means he put everybody else first. Well, I mean, if we all did that, can you even fathom how well we'd all get along? Let each esteem other better than himself. We're... Uh, look every man on the on the needs of others, not on our own. Put others first. We're, we're as you would that others should do unto you. Do ye also unto them likewise? I mean, that's simple. You don't need to read any laws. You don't. Jesus summed it all up right there. Love the Lord thy God with all thy mind, heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love thy neighbor as thyself. That's what everything hangs on. All the law and the prophets hang on that right there. Simplified for the simple. There it is. But walking after the flesh destroys all of that. Walking after the flesh is the very opposite of that. Walking after the flesh is me first. It's about me. That's what it is, basically. It is the final. Is that the final issue with you? How much do you care? How much do you matter to yourself? Is that your final issue? How others treat you? That you get the respect you deserve? That no one gets away with slighting you or wronging you? I mean, think about it. It'll be a happy day in your life when you give up on that. Yes, sir. 
when you can just smile sincerely and just not say nothing. And be okay with that. I mean, not just... Boy, I'd bite my tongue. Might as well go ahead and just go ahead and do it. I mean, you're walking after the flesh if that's what's in your heart. We're talking about inner, inner, inner. Walking after the Spirit, not the flesh. It's about that inner man. And it shows on the outside, see. If you cannot honestly say that you have victory in this matter, you ought to examine yourself to see if you be in the faith. Now, I'm just being real straight with you. If we had an altar here tonight, we ought to all be at it. And since we don't have an altar in this crowded place we're in, you can make one where you're at. And if you don't make one here, you better get somewhere and put yourself on the altar and let the fire of God consume all of you so that there's nothing left in you but Christ and His Spirit. I must decrease, but He must increase. Walking after the flesh. wonder how many will just... I wonder if we could fast forward 10 years, you know, the world's still here. Wonder, wonder where everybody here tonight will be. Hmm? Walking after the flesh. Where will it take you? Death and destruction and misery. Jesus is the answer, all right. But what Jesus does for us is the issue that's been slandered and distorted and lied about. You better understand that Jesus really does save. Yes, sure saves you. Mm-hmm. Saves you from <laughs> yourself. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's going to leave you with no right to yourself and you're glad about it and good with it. We talk about it, you know. But now it's been reduced to let Jesus come into your heart. How's that sound in light of all this? Not only that, but you invite Him to come into your heart. Well, that's a whole lot different than what I just talked about here. Ain't no wonder lives aren't changed. Nobody says anything about that. Just come on, do it. Come on, pray. Come on, sign this card. Come on, just just agree with me. And you can be saved right now. Okay. Then they just go right on walking after the flesh. And then the the preachers and everybody says, well, that's just to be expected. You know, we're all sinners. We all got this old flesh, you know. Can't be free from this old flesh until we're dead, you know. So that's why we do the things we do. It's blasphemy. Blasphemy. What about Jesus? What about His blood? Don't turn right around and start talking about His precious blood and how it cleanses from sin and all that when you just denied everything. Either it does or it doesn't. Get in or out. Get on or off. Judge yourself. Tonight. I mean, what's your life about? Pleasing yourself? Have you noticed that you're never happy that way? You want me to tell you how to be happy? Please somebody else. Live for God to please Him and live to please other people. Be a minister, a servant. I'm not talking about a preacher behind the pulpit. We're all ministers. Do something for somebody else. Live for somebody else. Think of other people. Look around you at this world. It's lost and in the darkness and without any hope and and misery and the wasted lives. I mean, surely you can think of something that you can do to help. 
You know that bag there that you made of those things? Is there just one left in there? It looks to me like there's just one in that bag. Well, we'll have to make some more. You know, the things we got to hand out to people. But, yeah. Any little thing. If we just apply ourselves, we could do a lot more to reach out to people. And you know, when you start doing that, you'd be amazed how happy you'd be. How your problems wouldn't seem so big. And how you just wouldn't care too much about your problems anymore. They would just seem so little. But when all you do is stand in front of the mirror and look at yourself and examine what you need and how, you know, you're never going to be happy. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Forget about self. Y'all, I hope you understood what I'm trying to get across to you here tonight. In the Spirit or in the flesh? You're in Christ or you're in the flesh? Amen. Father, thank You for the Word of God. I'm so glad it's so, so clear. I told my wife today, it's just... I just can't understand because it's just so clear. I pray you'd bless the message to our hearts, the truths here. I pray that they would sink down deep in our ears. Lord, help us all. Help me. Help me, Lord, to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. And Lord, help me if I feel stung, if I feel wronged, if I feel offended, Lord, help me to always quickly remember how they spit in your face, how they buffeted you and beat on you and crucified you. And you said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Surely we could put up with the minor trivial little things that hurt our pride and cause us inconvenience and frustration. Surely, Lord, we can do better at handling these things when we look at You and how You did with that than how You've bore our shame for all these hundreds of years. They still use Your name as a cuss word. And it's for our sake. It's our sin that... You bore for us. That's the reason they so hate You. Lord, pray You'd help us here with this. These are important things, and I pray, and vital, vital, life-changing, eternity-changing truths that we need to get a hold of really good in our minds and hearts. Help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.